This is 21st Century Women podcast where we hear from fabulous women doing interesting things, where the goal is to celebrate their unique story while getting a little dose of inspiration ourselves. I'm your host, Jenna Watts, and you're listening to episode number 88 with Erin Rhodes, the creator of Australia's popular eco-lifestyle website, The Rogue Ginger. Since 2013, Erin has adapted this new way of living, a plastic-free and zero-waste life. And through these choices, she's learned to eat real food, discovered new skills and saved money. So here to share with us how we can adapt a similar lifestyle so we too can be happier and healthier. Welcome, Erin, to 21st Century Women. Hello, Jenna. Thank you for having me. Erin, when it comes to living a more eco lifestyle, you are well sought after. You have featured on all kinds of media throughout Australia and internationally through the BBC um, World Sunriser Project, Marie Claire, there's, the list goes on basically any major headline in Australia you featured on there. Maybe I'm cheating by asking this question first up, but what are the most common questions you get from these type of media requests? Oh. Oh, gosh, it depends. If it's like TV or radio, it will be how do you give up junk food? That's really a common one, <laughs> which I'm just like, um, it's not that hard. You know, when I first started, I did something called Plastic Free July and back then you couldn't recycle that much soft plastics. So I kind of had to go really cold turkey with all of my junk food, which was hard because I loved chips. Doritos, you know, chocolate bars, all of that. Um, so not being able to recycle all that stuff yet, I just, I just gave it up. And you find other ways to enjoy junk food like, you know, I can take my own container and uh, go to a bakery or a storing pilot full of donuts if I wanted to. Like there's ways around it. And then your taste kind of change a little bit. Like I did have a packet of Twisties when I was pregnant after I think like four years. And they weren't that good. So after you give <laughs> things up, you just kind of don't miss them anymore. I thought that was my pregnancy though. taste buds. But that's huge though, I to know. eliminate it's... chips and lollies and anything. I'm trying to like get that around my head right now. It's like, how would I actually do that? I could do it for a month, right? <laughs> but to do it for a long period yeah. of time, that's hard. What do you, like when, when people there's... ask you this, what do you say? How do you do it? Just well, do it. these days at bulk food stores, which is where I shop, where there's no packaging, I can take my own packaging and buy chips if I want to yeah through the red cycle program now so it's where the soft plastics can be dropped off at Coles and Woolworths and other supermarkets you can recycle a lot of that junk food packaging now but because I'd been without it for so long so long you get over it bulk food stores have got lots of treats in there like chocolates chocolate covered strawberries which is a beautiful one um old-fashioned lolly stores yeah just go in there and they've got the big bulk things that will go in and pile up with things as well like I've got a three-year-old he knows what snakes and other lollies are so So it's fair to say yeah exactly yeah it's fair to say it's not like you've never eaten sugar other than a packet of twisties or you know chips or anything you just you're just not buying lots and amples of small plastic stuff you know like your son's not just because you're doing choosing this your son doesn't miss out on I don't know an easter egg or something on easter no gosh no and at bulk food stores now, they're starting to pile up with 
those Easter eggs. So I will be going out soon to to get my share for him. And there's more of these bulk food stores. I know I live in a small little coastal town and um, and I know that there's one here. So and I keep driving past, going, oh, I should go in there, I should go in there. But I'm inspired, Erin, I'm going to do it. Where do you it. live? Uh, down in Mornington in the Mornington Peninsula. Um, there it is. There is a bookstore mm, in Mornington. Mm, yeah, it's yeah, a great one there. Yeah, I've been in once. But I never thought to, I don't know, do all this. It's simple, right? You go in and you do buy your all your bits and pieces and your treats and all the snacks and stuff from there. Yeah. It's yeah, that simple. Yeah, exactly. And it's really, it's, it is that simple. And you can take your own packaging. So you can take your own glass jars, um, Tupperware or cloth bags and use those to fill it up. And then if, as you start to do it, you'll see a huge reduction in the amount of stuff that goes into your kitchen bin, which is what provides the most amount of waste in your household is, the, is what goes from your kitchen into the bin. So and when you go into one of these, a- yeah, sorry, when you go into one of these stores, what do you take? I mean, I've seen on some of your socials that you've got beautiful storage bags that you can take. But for say, for example, me, who I'm starting out, I don't have any of that stuff yet. What do I take? What's, and I really want to stock up. What do I take? Well, if you don't have anything yet, you can just like get some old glass jars. If you don't have any empty glass jars, your local op shop will have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they usually like 20 cents, 50 cents. Go home, sanitize them as you would. And you can take them in there and you weigh them first when you get into the bulk food store. Then you'll go around and fill the jars up with your stuff, whatever you want to get. And then you'll write down a code with it. Unless if it's a smaller bulk food store, they generally know the codes anyway or they've got it into their system. But if it's a bigger one, you need to write down a code. And then they'll reweigh it and subtract the original weight of your either jar. You could take a Tupperware container. We've all got cupboards with Tupperware in them that we can use as well. Mm. Um, or they've got um, – usually they sell bags there as well if you wanted to. But, you know, if you're starting out, they've also got – you know, paper bags that you can reuse each time. Yeah, okay. If you were going to have one treat, say, at a service station, I know you wouldn't, right, but if you were going to, just one, what would it be? Oh, well, I see, I'm so used to reaching for the donuts now because, <laughs> you know, they've got the Krispy Kremes there. <laughs> and I'll just get them to put that into a paper bag for me. Yeah. Oh, but I do, oh, this is a hard one. I do miss Curly Whirlies. Yeah. And summer rolls. Yes. Okay. So when I am paying for my petrol, I do look down there and I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but no, usually it's like if I find most of the time I just need a glass of water. Yeah. And that craving. Sometimes it, I think we confuse that. I need energy, so I need sugar. When really we're probably just a bit dehydrated and need some water. <laughs> Absolutely. As well. Yeah. And the grass is greener. You take one bite and you go, oh, it's not what I thought it was going to taste like. Exactly. And it's over so quickly. (laughs) True. Um, I want to touch on your books that you've written two books. And your first book is called Waste Not Make a Big Difference by Throwing Away Less. And it provides some really fundamental information and some ideas as to how we can all play our part. But it also considers some modern trends, you could say. Um, you, you know, you mentioned earlier on before we hit record that you still go and drink coffees and you can still have a latte and you can still go and have a cocktail and you can still wear heels. Like you're still normal by taking this lifestyle. 
So I guess when people buy this book, what are the key takeouts they get or why would they buy it basically? The key takeouts would be that you don't necessarily have to give up everything to live more sustainably. It's more about changing your mindset and what the book will do is just show you other ways that you can change those habits, those tips and tricks to do that because it's not just about buying new things to replace what you've already got. Sometimes it's just changing your mindset um, and getting into new thought processes. Um, and it's also about just showing you simple tricks that perhaps our great-grandmothers used to do or grandmothers used to do that we've forgotten over time really and just teaching us to value resources. Um, it, it's, it's all really simple things that you'll look through the book and you'll be like, oh, that makes complete sense. I never thought to even do that, you know, or you might learn a statistic. You're like I had no idea that this garment um, used so much electricity after I get it into my household or something like that. It's just learning and it's, it's, I'm quite frank in the book. Like I will tell you that I didn't find it easy. I found it hard. I don't want people to think that making change is easy because it's not for everyone. And I've been told I'm funny in the book. I don't, I didn't mean to be. <laughs> I'm quite serious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just want, yeah, it's, it's about having fun with it as well throughout it. I just, you know, no one is going to be able to make a new lifestyle stick if it's not fun at all because it becomes boring and you and you don't want to do that so I'd really try to emphasize people to have fun with and, it and your second book waste not uh every day is even it, my understanding it's even more simple I haven't read either but if you were to suggest one book for me I'm at the beginning very beginning of sort of my eco lifestyle adapting to something a bit more eco I just bought a compost last week that's where I'm at would I be better off buying the first one or the second book I think the first one, because it goes a little bit more in depth, it's got a big chapter on kids as well, um, which is handy, especially if you're a new parent, because um, I wrote it when my child was six months old, so I was knee deep in all of that new experience of being a mother. Um, the second book, though, is kind of like you just flick through it. It's got a tip for each day of the year, so you can like work your way through little tips, so it's not as overwhelming. As the first book, I say the smaller book's like the little sister to the big book. The big book's quite um, extensive, but it covers everything that I wish I had known at the beginning. So it's one that you can flick back to time and time again. And Erin, I hate to bring this up, but you would think that we can have a nice conversation that doesn't revolve around COVID-19, but we are in it. And I, what I'm hearing a lot from a lot of people, even myself, is we want to become more grounded. We have this opportunity right now. We're at home. We're with our families. We can be present with our children. And we have this opportunity to sort of just stop and take it all in. And, you know, real, I know that's why I bought my compost last week. It's been on my list for six months. I haven't done it. And I was like, right, this is a great opportunity to do it. And I'm excited to go further with it. What are some, I guess, advice or some tips for people who are at the, at the moment, we're at home, we're in isolation, if they're thinking about it, but they're scared that once they do it, they might, you know, you know, not be quite sure or once they adopt these new ways of living, when they go back to normal living, you know, when we're allowed out of our houses again, uh, that they can't sustain it. 
Well, something like a compost is a great place to start, I say, for anyone wanting to reduce their waste. It's the, probably my number one tip for everyone, um, even though the question is, what do I do about junk food? Um, it's my number one tip because 40% of our household bins is made up of food waste. That's a huge amount. That's almost half of our bins are made up of food waste. So by starting a compost, we are taking those food scraps from cooking or food that's uneaten, especially if you've got kids, we can put that into a compost that gets broken down and then we can put it onto the garden. What's really important about composting, whether we do it at home um, through our own, you know, worm farms or composting system, or if you perhaps have got a council that accepts food waste in their green bin, so their garden waste bin, is that this all gets turned into food for our soil. And that's so, so important for the food that we eat because if we don't put those nutrients back into the ground, then our food doesn't get nutrients. And so then we don't get the best food that we could possibly have. Um, and then another reason is when it goes to landfill, it doesn't ever break down. It just becomes a sludgy, gross mess and it kind of creates the stuff called methane, which is a potent greenhouse gas. It's just not great. It's a complete waste when it goes to landfill. I'd say feed the soil because in Australia we desperately need it here. Um, And then you can use it also to, you know, do things like grow your own vegetables. That's another one which I'm seeing so many people jump on board with is starting veggie patches at home. So I would say that get a veggie patch going if you can. doesn't have to be complicated. Um, and don't go crazy, you know, look at everyone and be like, oh, yeah, I'll try and grow broccoli. Um, look at your food list. I always say to people, look at the recipes that you, that you cook at home and look at the kind of stuff that you buy each week and then look through that list and be like, okay, well, what usually comes in plastic for me? Is it herbs? Usually it is herbs that will come in plastic and lettuce and rocket and they grow so easily at home and they can be up in your garden within two months so you can start with those Um, we've got great weather for them here in Melbourne as well at the moment with all the rain so I would advise people that don't bite off more than you can chew at the start just take it easy and composting is that great first step as well because you will start to see you know the reduction in your bin and when you see a reduction in your bin you're like oh I'm actually doing something so I can do something else from here. Yeah. You know, that's, um, I never really thought about how much waste I had until this week I've started to realize it's pretty significant. Um, But I am a little bit nervous with my compost. I'm week one, like I said, and I haven't seen it work yet. So I'm a bit paranoid that what I put in it, it's not <laughs> going to work. And I've chosen one that's not a worm it's, one. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and then yep. I've got to add the brown stuff. I've got my green stuff from inside or my, you know, yep. cut up veggies and whatever the, the waste is. I've put that in. I've got to add the brown stuff. But it's been raining. So I thought, well, I can't put the wet brown stuff in. I wait. So I'm a little yeah, bit scared. Yep. I can yeah, 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 that's okay. fine. Another thing you can do is if you're looking for brown stuff is, you know, autumn's about just will have started, um, go out with your kids and pick up leaves. I was walking with my son the other day and we saw a family kind of gathering with their little, little kids up, gathering leaves just into bags and we stopped and asked and said, is that for your compost? And the little boy was like, yeah, we're going to feed the worms. So you can collect them that way and you can usually collect enough 
over winter to sustain you through summer. But yeah, putting it in there wet's fine. Um, uh, the best thing you do with compost is to turn it as often as you possibly can. Um, it doesn't take as long as you think it will. Obviously, on a day like today, you're like, oh, it's raining. But if you miss a day, that's fine. Um, it will stop it from smelling. It will help it break down faster. But it, it does take, you know, depending on the food, it can take a couple of weeks for stuff to properly break down. So um, it, won't, it won't happen in a week, unfortunately, for some. For <laughs> well, I was expecting 8 to 24 weeks. That's what my little thing said. So, And I'm kind of yes, hoping that yes. I'll be surprised and, it was, you know, and I'll start to see it. But I am very excited to see the process. As you can tell, Erin, I'm a complete amateur, which is why it's so good to have you on for an episode. Um, You're not the only one. I, sp- I spoke to Bunnings recently and they said that um, – They've been they've been flying off the shelf all, all really? the compost bins all the gardening stuff they've just been that? emptied that's which is great like it's fantastic. I want to talk about some other reasons why moving to a zero waste lifestyle is important and it can be fun. Um, let's touch on maybe some some of the environment ones you've touched on then that the household waste is forty percent of a bin. What are some other environmental impacts that we're all contributing to and we don't really realize? Oh, I'm going to say one of the first things is plastic. Um, plastic, obviously, we know about the pollution that it can create. So when it gets into our environment, it doesn't break down for hundreds of years. It could be 500, could be 1,000. They're just not sure how long it's going to take for some of these plastics to break down. But then it's also the production of plastic, which has a huge footprint. Any item before it gets into your home, has already created 80% of its waste footprint, which is a huge amount. So when it gets into your home and you put in the bin, that's the, that's the tiny little bit of its waste footprint. The biggest one is during its production. So any whether it's a dress, a side table, so I'm looking around my room, um, a door for anything, it's already created 80% of its footprint. There's coffee cups, um, a plastic straw, um, it's, it's huge. And then there's also like the shipping when it's shipped around the world that huge footprint as well and then if we don't treat it right then it goes to landfill so that's why I really advocate for things like buying secondhand when you can Um, there's so many great ways to do that these days Um, you know clothing we've got op shops consignment stores Facebook marketplace eBay Um, you could even do a clothing swap party with your girlfriends or boyfriends whoever's listening and um, make it into like a party as well for everyone so uh, there's so many different ways that we can shop for new things and that's what I really encourage people to do is to reframe what's new. doesn't ne- mean it's new off the shelf. means it's new to you. And, you know, as a parent, I've gotten everything for my son secondhand and it's been so easy, um, a lot more convenient than I thought it would be as well. Um, and great, great quality clothes too. Like I think people have this conception that oh um if it's second hand it's second best but that's that's not the case these days at all especially with kids stuff too I mean they grow so quickly so you know I know my sister just gave me some hand-me-downs and um they're really good quality they've barely been worn and just because they grow quickly they don't really wear them for that long you know so yeah um, exactly I'm a big fan of that oh there's a second thing I'm adding too but it is, it's overwhelming. The reason I say that, and I know that it's your lifestyle now, but for someone, I go, how would I 
I mean, I certainly do some secondhand shopping, but I don't do a great deal. I think about our house, everything. I think about plastic. I'm like, how would I change my life that much? What's some baby steps? Where would you start if you were to do, okay, for the first six months, let's just do this. And the second six months, let's do that. And the third, you know, let's not buy new clothes, for example. Yeah, yep. So I would start off as you are doing with a compost bin. Great first step. Um, And then as your pantry kind of starts to empty, you know, you could be like, right, I need to buy some pasta or red lentils or something or rice. Then you can be like, right, well, I'll go to the bulk store for that item. Yeah. And then you just slowly just mark, just make your way through your pantry very slowly. When you go to buy your produce, you could, instead of getting the plastic bags, try to figure out what vegetables actually do need a produce bag. Um, And you can also buy some reusable produce bags for things like, I don't know, your mushrooms or your beans or tomatoes or something like that. That's a good idea. So just slowly start making a list. If you've got older kids, I really recommend giving them the job of the plastic police. Now, kids learn about a lot of this stuff in school, about the impacts of plastic in particular. And, you know, you, you give children some kind of responsibility and they will they will take that, some authority, and they will abuse it with you and they'll point <laughs> out what's plastic and what can probably change in the household. And a great way to – and the reason why I love to do that with kids is because it makes them feel like they're helpful and they're solving a problem and that's what kids thrive on, being helpful and solving problems because, like, oh, I did this and I'm doing something great and it just makes them feel good. And then as a parent you see that and you're like, oh, all right, well, there's something else that we can do then and it just moves on from there. So I would just work your way through the house. So the kitchen would be my number one. And then bathroom as that stuff starts to empty out to like say shampoo bottles. You could say I'm going to keep these shampoo bottles and go to the box store and get them filled up or um, there's a great brand at Priceline um, called Etique and they sell shampoo bars. And they're fantastic. And they come in just like a cardboard box. They look like a regular bar of soap and it's what my family uses. Um, so just those simple swaps. So don't go all in and feel you need to wave a wand and change everything because I never did that at all. I took it very slowly. It took me over a year to kind of empty things and find substitutes. What about our health, Erin? What are some of the benefits of changing our lifestyles to something more eco for our health? I find it's really helped with me eating better food. You know, as I said, you know, I didn't eat as much junk food. I started cooking a lot more. I used to be that person who would go in to a supermarket and really scrutinise the ingredients and be like, well, what's this or what's that? Um, Not for everything, though. Some things I didn't care, obviously. But when you go to buy things at, say, a bulk food store, you are really getting clean ingredients so there's just that you know if you're going to buy rice it's just rice or you're going to buy beans that are dried they're just beans and usually organic or biodynamic so that farmer is helping to improve the soil or or, um, create food that's healthy for their farm but also for us Um, and then also I find improved my mental health and it's I don't know how to explain it's like I feel like I don't have to keep up with the Joneses anymore. So there's that mental shift of like not feeling I need to get ahead or wear this or have that. It's just about being a nice person 
that's all I care about. And if people um, don't like what I'm wearing or don't like my house because it's not up to date, that says more about them than it does about me. Um, so they've got insecurities and it's just it's letting go of those insecurities that we that have been pushed onto us through this hyper consumer model, you know, that we're fed through magazines and advertising to just buy, buy, buy. And as you start to slow down and really consider all your purchases, you do think about stuff. You're like, I don't really need this or I could get it secondhand. And, you know, you think about the people who made your stuff and did it come from an ethical place? Were the workers happy? Were they paid correctly? Um, would I work in a company like that? You know, it's just, it's not just the environment. There's a huge social um, aspect of this lifestyle as well. You know, obviously, don't want any mother to be separated for a child for six months of the year so she can earn enough money while she makes, I don't know, clothing or something like that. Like, there's conditions that these people work in that you and I would not stand for in this country mm. at all and wouldn't even exist here. Yeah, okay. How long did it take you to get used to that? When you talk about keeping up with the Joneses, uh, a lot of people would resonate with that. Go, yeah, actually, that would be really hard for me. How long did it take for you to go, okay, I'm going to commit to this before you felt 100% comfortable and where you are today? I'm going to say it took me probably about a good two years to not feel, I think, yeah, I think to truthfully feel like I don't really care about your opinion and to just to see it from other people's perspective. Like I really thought that if people would make little comments about my lifestyle or something, I took it as a real personal attack. And then I just had an epiphany one day. I was like, wait a minute, no, this isn't about me. Like I'm happy with my lifestyle. It's this person and they're probably seeing these changes I'm making and knowing deep down that they should make them too, but they're not ready yet. So they're putting up a bit of a guard and going to try and bring me down to their level, I guess, in a way. But most of those people have um, since made changes. So, yeah. And also, like, since the War on Waste TV show came out, um, people just wanted to make changes as well and really started to question their habits. And I think as you see more people come collectively together to want to think more about the environment and their choices that kind of gives you more confidence as well knowing that there's other people out there who yeah prior to that I guess I felt myself a little bit weird but Craig Rucastle made it cool (laughs) (laughs) which is all normal which is the reason I'd ask I think it'd be something really really common that people would feel what about money Erin how much money do you can you look at saving if uh, if you fully adapt an eco lifestyle well, for instance, let's look at food. So the average Victorian um, wastes just about over $2,000 per year on food. So that's quite substantial. That's about an average family of four to five. So that, that adds up. And then I personally, that. yeah, same, but it's, yeah, that's probably about it. Food here in this country actually is pretty cheap. Like we, we live in a country where, where food's very affordable. Um, fast fashion. Yeah, I'm really glad I gave up fast fashion because I didn't realise how much I used to spend on just buying things because, you know, that's what I did on my lunch break working in the CBD. It's what else do you do? 
you know, I didn't realise I could just go to a park and read a book or um, go have lunch, go sit down and enjoy my lunch. I used to rush my food and then just go buy, buy, buy stuff that I would wear maybe once or twice and then, you know, toss it to the op shops. So that changed and that, that would have saved me thousands and thousands of dollars. But it's also other things that add up like, you know, instead of having um, paper towels or tissues, I've got, you know, hankies or I've got tea towels. Um, those small things will add up over time. Um, you think they don't, but they absolutely do. What about, I want to talk about our products that we use in our house and cleaning products and basically how do we get more sustainable, eco-friendly products to clean with I know that's something that I'm focused on at the moment and I find it quite hard to figure it out because you've got all these different brands marketing to you that they're natural or they're this or they're that or they're chemical it's I was hanging out to ask you this question (laughs) that's a a great question because you've just brought up something that is a real issue I guess in the sustainability eco space and that's the um that's greenwashing so greenwashing is when any product um in any store really can put the words eco-friendly or natural or organic um onto their labels and they can you know put a lovely shade of green on there and in reality what they're providing is probably not the most eco-friendly solution it's just they realise that it's a trend and they want to be part of that trend. So I always kind of encourage people to, if they can, I know this isn't available to everyone, but if they can, um, go really basic at the supermarket. So if the supermarket's your only option, you can get really old school here. Buy vinegar, buy some cleaning vinegar, and you can use that to clean so many things in your household. And it's very cheap. You can dilute it and it'll keep its potency as well. Another thing that you can do, this is what I do, is I get a bar of soap. Um, I don't really get one from the supermarket, but if you want to get what I'm going to tell you I do with it, um, you can get the Lux Soap Flakes. They come in a cardboard box. And I take just a bar of soap, though, that I get at like my bulk food store through a soap company, just a simple one made of just olive oil, and that's it. The less ingredients in your product, the better. And I grate that bar of soap down and I keep it in a jar. I then take about two tablespoons of that soap and I add it to about three litres, four litres of boiling water and then add a couple drops of tea tree oil and I've got a spray and wipe that I can use around the house. And I can just put that into, yeah, and I can just put that into my old spray bottle too so I can just reuse that. Um, but if you don't want to make your own stuff, which is perfectly fine, you don't have to go with Martha Stewart to go eco-friendly, you can go to a bulk food store and they've usually got all the cleaning products you need. So they've got wool wash, they've got a floor cleaner, they've got a window cleaner, and you can just take your old containers and get them filled up in there each time. Um, and the good thing is about the bulk food store and the products that they have there is that the owner's are usually quite hypercritical about what ingredients they're going to sell their sell their um, their customer base. You know, they don't want to sell something that's greenwashed. They're more likely to sell something that's quite local as well to to the area. 
that's quite eco-friendly, that's safe for the waterways. So they've done a lot of that hard work for you where I feel like at the major supermarkets, they just want things that are going to sell them, uh, you know, going to be a popular shelf space item. So if if I was you, I would you know, go more towards a bulk food store and sometimes even just health food stores will sell this stuff in bulk too as well. Um, if you live really, really, sorry, I was going to say if you live really, really, really rural, um, you can also find the companies through, you know, the closest bulk food store and you can organise them to send you a big container to you as well. I was just about to say, I think the key message that I picked up, you know, in the last half an hour over our chat is all of this can be simple and it can take time and you can do things slowly and step by step. This cleaning one is a great idea. At first I was like, okay, cool, I can make my own cleaning products. But I think for me, the first step is just buying better products from, you know, health food or bulk food places, um, you know, reusing containers. That's step one for me. Who knows in six mm-hmm. months, 12 months time when you talk to me, I might have this down pat and I have my own recipes and, and fingers crossed that could exactly. happen. But what excites me is there are steps for everybody to take, little or small, in, you know, living more eco. And it doesn't have to be really, really overwhelming. It can be somewhat straightforward. Um, exactly. With a little exactly. bit of effort. Exactly. The other when thing I, I want... first started, I was not making stuff at all. Yeah. I was buying as much as I could from a bulk food store. Okay. Um, just quickly on bulk food stores, if people are looking for bulk food stores, they're not sure how to find one in your area, there's a website called trashlesstakeaway.com.au. You can go on there and you can put in your postcode and check to see who in your area allows you to bring your own containers essentially, um, whether it's cleaning products or food or whatever. And then there's also zero waste Facebook groups around the country with thousands of members in them. So you can jump in there and you can just ask people, say, I live in this suburb or I live in this town. Where in this area can I get, you know, package-free window cleaner or floor cleaner? So there's options out there. It's just going out there and, and finding them. Yeah, cool. What about in the kitchen? I've got one more question before we get on to our final two questions, which is what we do on 21st Century Women. But what appliances do we need in the kitchen? Because we can have all sorts of things, but all I can think of is, oh, I need a dehydrator because then I can, you know, plant my fruit trees and have an abundance of fruit for a certain period of time and then how do I not waste that? Is there anything that we should buy or is helpful or anything that we should avoid? That's an interesting question. Uh, If you are looking to buy a dehydrator and you think you're really, 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 really going to use it, do it. But I always say to people, before you're going to go and invest in anything that will help you be more sustainable, see if you can borrow that option first just to double check that you do need it. And you might find, actually, I only need this dehydrator a couple weeks each season. Uh, So you could look to see if you can borrow it through like a zero waste group or some kind of permaculture group. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, And sometimes um, there might be a kitchen library in the area that will that will hire them out. Um, I, I live up in um, Mooney Valley and I think either our council or the council next door hire them out. So I would, I would suggest just, yeah, just see if you can borrow it and see if it will work for you. But as for gadgets, I haven't bought anything at all. The one gadget I use often is probably the stick blender. But I do know that a lot of people really say you need to get maybe like a food processor 
would probably be your number one because you can make things like a nut milk if you are into um, like oat milk or cashew milk or something like that and don't want to buy it in the Tetra Packs. Or if you want to make, you know, more things from scratch at home, like say falafels or something like that. So that would probably be my one. And check eBay, um, check Gumtree and check too. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, op shops sometimes don't have a lot of electronics because they can't test them always before they can sell them. Um, but I would go online because, you know, people buy things or they get gifts and they need to move them on. So you could check there first and also just do a call out and say, look, does anyone have one that they don't use anymore? And like my mom had a pressure cooker and she's like, do you want it? I was like, yes. Oh my gosh. I cook beans from scratch. This will make my time from two hours down to like 20 minutes. (laughs) So you just don't know who might have something hiding in a cupboard that, that you can use. I always advocate try and hire it first just in case because you might find, oh, I don't need it. Yeah. So save yourself some money too. All good tips. Now, Erin, we're getting to the end and uh, two questions that we ask on this podcast. Firstly, a book that you would recommend. Oh, so if you're in the eco space, I would very, very, very much recommend a wonderful book called The Story of Stuff. Um, Some people might have seen some catchy little cartoons that have been developed, um, what is now a not-for-profit, but it's a fantastic book. It just looks at every little thing that we create and its impact on the planet. And it's a really enjoyable read. Like it's not like really um, bogged down in like a lot of science. So there's a lot of human stories within it. So that would be my book that I would encourage people to read brilliant um as well of course your two books putting that out there and of course yes yes my (laughs) my two books definitely (laughs) I'm the worst salesperson (laughs) well we did get them out there and and finally a quote that uh, you might live by or one that just inspires you oh that's easy it's a book uh, it's a quote that's actually in the back of my book and I've totally forgot the person who said it he um, helped produce a documentary called um, A Plastic Ocean, which I'm, I'm, I think a lot of people have seen or heard about. It's a beautiful movie. Um, but he said, um, with knowing comes caring and with caring comes change. Beautiful. So sometimes we just got to know the stuff to care enough and then we can make a change. So that's a nice, a nice Spot quote. On. Spot on. Well, thank you so much for your time and um, I encourage people to jump on to your Instagram and your website and they can find out. You, you post some really interesting stuff and, um, and you always have some really cool stuff to follow. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.